0: Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today, I'm excited to be joined by cartoonist Olivia Stevens here, the creator of Artie and the Wolf Moon, a graphic novel out now, as well as things like the webcomic Alone, which you can find at Alone-Comic.com. We'll include links to everything in the show notes. Olivia, thank you so much for joining today. I'm excited to talk about your work. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm doing really well. I'm I, you know recording this on a Friday. I'm I'm feeling good. I've got a lot of comics slated for the weekend to binge, so things are looking up for me. Nice. <laughs> um, I, let's <laughs> let's talk first about your progression to Artie in the Wolf Moon. Right, this is a graphic novel that's out uh, within the last month. People can check it out now. And it was you know through your your web comic, which I um, alone, which I was reading and and really enjoying. It's definitely a different vibe, right? Alone er, or a different audience. Alone is is mature adult readers and and Ernie the Wolf Moon's YA. Um, How did you adapt to making a comic for kids? Was that always a a, a career intention or something (laughs) that just kind of came to you?
1: Uh, It was completely unintentional. Um, So the catalyst for Artie actually was Alone. Um, I had been I started working on Alone when I was 18 or 19, and I was updating it um, during art school, and that was like my side project that I dedicated way too much time to, and (laughs) my classwork definitely suffered because I had my own (laughs) side hustle, but um, I was updating that on the side, and I actually got an email from an editor in traditional publishing who was like, I really like your webcomic Alone. Have you ever considered um, doing comics for kids? And I was like, oh, that's that's not a response I expect because Alone is for adults. Um, It deals with adult emotions and baggage and all that. And so Mm -hmm. um, this editor kind of invited me to pitch any kids' comics ideas I might have for him. And at the time I was, really kind of struggling to figure out what my exit strategy was for art school and how I was going to um, hopefully make some kind of income out of comics. And so um, for my final semester of school, I decided I was going to experiment and push myself and see if I could make a story for young readers, because I would never written for kids, had never considered writing, um, for kids. And so, yeah, for my kind of final project, I decided I was going to make a pitch for this editor. Yeah. Um, and in the starting process, it was definitely, I kind of had to look back and see the kinds of stories that really intrigued me as a kid. Um, and really, I that I still love today. So, um, I got a lot of inspiration from, like, old book series I used to really like, like Series of Unfortunate Events and mm-hmm. um, like different movies that really um, spoke to me like in that age range. So like Lilo and Stitch and um, <laughs> the Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie, like all these yeah. different things that really excited me when I was younger. Um, and in addition to that, you know, I was totally obsessed with manga as a kid and so i definitely wanted there to be some action in there and kind of realization of powers because like a young protagonist coming into their own power was always and still continues to be um really exciting territory for me so i kind of thought about all that thought about the kinds of things within those stories that like really appeal to me um coming of age aspect um kind of delving into family secrets especially with stuff like uh, Lemony Snicket and kind of figuring out who your uh, elders were and how their mm. path has shaped your own um, mm. so that was the basis and then um, yeah it started out as kind of a story about a girl just almost like interviewing her parent about um, like the life before they had before um, their child and uh, the story has always been about um, a child who only has one living parent and the other parent died before they were born. Yeah. Um, And then I don't even know exactly why the supernatural element came into play. I think it's just because I really love supernatural stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And with werewolves, um, it's weird because I love the concept of werewolves so much, but like, I find myself so unsatisfied by a lot of the werewolf stuff I consume.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And, and I that's the kind of I'm weird in that I I enjoy watching things that frustrate me in genres because I yeah. it, it it's fun for me to kind of play script doctor and see where I would take a similar premise um and stretch it into something that is enjoyable to me. Yeah. So right. yeah, that was where we got started and then it kind of snowballed into something that wasn't just a thought experiment but something that i could infuse a lot of like my personal emotions and like um family history and stuff into like this passion project it became a passion project because at first it was just to see if i could do it and then i was mm-hmm. like oh no i'm in love i'm hooked now <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice no that's cool i did the um did the editor who made the connection from alone to saying hey what about ya ever tell you or or hint at what prompted them in that direction like like what kind of made them think that might be a fit
1: i have no idea um (laughs) yeah it was odd (laughs)
0: the the reason i ask is I, i i found that connection really interesting right that they would make that jump and i one thing i noticed one trend throughout your work is from alone to to Artie, um and even darlin the short story you did um, about right. you know, yeah. a kind of a Western werewolf scene. Uh, it, it, you're you have an uncanny ability, I think, to write these extremely sweet, extremely convincing relationships in all of those um, Thank you. In, different ways, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, of course. How do you how do you think? And I, th- to me, I was like, oh, maybe that's what they saw. Like maybe they saw the sweetness and the relationship building and how that could translate to a YA market because I think that's a big part of it. Um, h- how do you approach when you're telling story, capturing? those realities and and kind of the emotional complexity that's there in your work?
1: Um, For me, I mean, I draw from my personal life a bit, but I just, that's a hard question. For me, I'm a people watcher, and I love paying attention to the mannerisms of people and how they interact with the outer world and how that contrasts with people they're intimate with or um, they're close to. And so that's always extremely that's just extremely satisfying for me to convey in a story, um, just the little ways that, um, as people grow closer to each other, they they share, you know, ticks and sentiments and like body language and stuff. Uh, yeah, i <laughs> i I don't know where my approach for it really comes from. It's just an intense fixation on um yeah yeah intense fixation on relationships and how um as we get closer to each other emotionally a lot of the time it's reflected in like our physicality and um i don't know there's also a little glimmer of me who's like i want to portray tenderness at any at every possible opportunity just because there's so much (laughs) that isn't tender about the world. Yeah. Um, And I've been blessed with um, friends and family who are just so supportive and thoughtful and just genuinely tender people. And I I feel a bit of an urge to communicate that like this tenderness exists. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, I, I think that definitely comes through. In the work, so I, I guess just to back it up a little, you know, already in the Wolf Moon, this graphic novel, um, the the focus here is about um, a young woman, Artie, who, uh, and it, it we'll do very light spoilers, I think, you know, <laughs> not not major stuff, but essentially she discovers there's this legacy of werewolves in her family, including her mother. Right? She she witnesses early on her mom can transform into a werewolf. And it's kind of about this, this thing is it's shared thing between generations, right? This transformative act that defines sort of her coming into figuring out what is her unique family and, and heritage. Um, you talked about not being satisfied with, with werewolf mythology. I think a lot of times it's a very isolating, solitary kind of storytelling. Um, how did you, how did you come up with your own sort of werewolf mythology? And, and I think especially the fixation on like it being like a part of culture for this, this unit.
1: Yeah. So, um, I really, I'm inspired first and foremost, I think, by wolf behavior, um, because there's such a disconnect between when people hear the word werewolf, what comes Mm. to mind and what wolves actually behave like. So Mm. uh, werewolves, people think bloodthirsty, vicious, just, tragic loner, um, yeah, but yeah. like wolves in the wild, they're families and they take care of each other and they look out for one another. And even between packs, there's kind of an extended network of wolves kind of signaling to each other in the, in the wild. And there's such a community aspect to their existence, but that gets painted over by this um, projection of viciousness. Um, Onto them, which is, in my opinion, it's it's really unearned because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they (laughs) their conflict with um, humanity in the new world is a result of settler colonialism. They were in the way of um, settlers Mm -hmm. and uh, making way for lives, their livestock and cattle. They in that pursuit of um, set in that pursuit of settling and expanding into the west you know the wolves food sources were destroyed and then you bring in cows and sheep and then of course the wolves are going to go after your cows and sheep because what else are what are what else are they going to eat and so Mm -hmm. they become this villain but only in the eyes of settler colonialism because Otherwise they were minding their business and being a fruitful and integral part of the ecosystem until that ecosystem was disrupted. Yeah. And so that really bothers me. (laughs) It really, it really does. And so that is, that was the starting point for where my lore was going to go. I wanted um, a sympathetic werewolf that kind of showed um, how family bonds and community are really defining them. And then, you know, once you get into spotlighting community and family, um, for me, like, that automatically just ties into um, culture building. And so um, I wanted there, I wanted to definitely um, have werewolves be black explicitly because so many times in, like, uh, the fantasy realm, there will be. Um, readers from the Stone Age who were like, that's not realistic. <laughs> hmm. It's like, there's werewolves. <laughs> Anything yeah. can be realistic. <laughs> so, um, I, I guess it was part, or me writing uh, this specific clan of werewolves is like, uh, descended from uh, escaped slaves. It, it, it was my way of being like, not only are there going to be black werewolves, but they're going to have to be black werewolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like i i just wanted it written in solidly it's like the, the, i'm sorry it's just not realistic any other way so right um yeah so building off of that i was kind of able to weave in um the supernatural with history and kind of speculate on how um this these specific people might um soldier on through generations and kind of build their own um hidden away communities and how that they might uh relate to the outside world and stuff yeah but, yeah
0: <laughs> no that makes a lot of that's that's really interesting to hear you explain i definitely i was impressed by you know how you're weaving in the the institutionalized racism in america like that already in her mom face um through like very obvious examples like children literally like racist bullying the kids at school or bullying Artie at school um to like like i guess mildly more subtle things like the teachers implying the you know the absence of a father figure might be the problem causing Artie's disruptive behavior right like it's it's all there one thing that seems increasingly true through stuff whether it's like new kid or superman smashes the clan or all sorts of books is that young readers like all ages can and should tackle heavy subjects, you know, like this. Um How did you go about integrating that? I guess you just described some of it, but like, was there any concern on your part in terms of like, I don't know, delivering this to a younger audience a different way? Um, or was it more for you? Like, Hey, this is just a part of reality and it has to be there. Um, I guess, how did you approach that for this audience specifically?
1: Yeah. Um I don't think i don't think i had any huge misgivings but for me um i don't think i set out to write a book that's like yes this is a like this is about racism like i for me um writing artie's character and where she lives because we were um aside from both being queer and raised in the pacific northwest we live very different lives obviously um <laughs> but yeah. for me it wasn't so much that um racism was like a, a vital part of the story but it's just a piece of our lives like yeah it's it's gonna be if you're a black werewolf like yeah you're still gonna face racism and this is how it might happen um yeah, but yeah. F- for me i i really wanted Um, I wanted it there only because I didn't when I when I place it in there, I didn't want it to be like I was trying to teach anyone anything Hmm. Um, for me. It's just there. And at the end of the book, like there aren't even really easy answers. Um, There's. There's a sense that I get that when people read books, by like a marginalized author um, that includes racism in it, that, that they are lear- trying to learn something from it. Mm, yeah, I write fiction and I want to tell an ent- entertaining story. First and foremost, I'm not an educator and I'm not trying to um, educate anyone or their kids. <laughs> about what uh black children or black people might face in this specific area. It, for me it was just be like this is just how it is. We're going to move on with the story because there's werewolves. <laughs> um but yeah, it's definitely not I definitely didn't set out to like teach or educate or put a certain spotlight on anything or like this is how we might solve this because ultimately um Artie or me or anyone, we can't solve it. It's not up to us to solve racism. Like we we survive it and we live despite it and we have fully fleshed out lives um, in spite of it. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's what I want to focus on most of all is that despite all of these um, obstacles and adversity, Artie has a rich inner life with a family that loves her and she has supernatural powers and she has her own little romantic dramas and all that um, Yep. but part of that being fully fleshed out is being like yeah this happens yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. no that's definitely how it plays out uh, in the work too i mean i think that's yeah there's no there's no simple solve it's not all building towards a clean and easy solution because that's just not just not what it, it is. doesn't exist <laughs> yeah yeah Right. Uh, what What was the the hardest part to write of this for you? Were um, there any scenes or moments that were okay? You have an answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Chapter seven. Yeah.
1: Um. I still can't read it. <laughs> Just oh, because yeah? it make, it makes me I. <laughs> my books are like very. All of my comics are like can get very emotional and mm-hmm. like I call it already like lovingly like the crybaby book because. Someone cries in almost every chapter. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. and I I come from like a very sensitive crier family, but chapter seven. That's all I'm mean.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you gotta you gotta read the book and check it out yes. to, to see what you're talking about there. <laughs> totally fair. Uh this so in addition to this, like this is, you know, the your first work of this length, right? Like a full paste yes. graphic novel. Um, how did you set up like how to actually pace out you know the full length of it and uh, what what do you wish you had known at the start
1: (laughs) um well (laughs) i um wish i had started out knowing how to pace myself at all i yeah yeah i had zero um knowledge in how different a work of this size is especially on a schedule because like, with a webcomic, I updated when I could. It sure, right. it was over several years where I was able to, um, I think, alone, before it went on a hiatus, it got up to, like, 120 pages or something. That's okay. over, like, three years. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and, yeah, moving from that model of, like, it gets done when it gets done, um, a page at a time, to... Um, Two years to do like a 250 page book and just all in stages. That was, uh, I'll just say, it was just a painful adjustment period. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of, um, (laughs) a lot of trial and error, mostly error. Um, but yeah, I think the first half, uh, helped me learn, um, from my mistakes and kind of learned that in the process of working on projects this large and, and that won't be read until they're finished like one or two years in advance. Like, hmm. um, I just learned a lot about expediting my process and that finished is better than perfect because perfect is never finished. Yeah. So um, the preciousness that uh, I kind of brought over from you know, art school critique and just wanting everything to be 100% perfect. I had to lose that or else this book still wouldn't be done. Yeah, um, so yeah. that was an adjustment for sure. Um, and then just learning the different phases. Like this is, I didn't have an editor until, <laughs> until this book. Um, sure. So like learning to work with an editor was its own thing. Um, and writing out a whole script for a whole story, that was my first time really doing that because as writing a webcomic I kind of I have a loose general idea of where the story goes but um I'm just kind of writing it as I go and seeing um how like an audience reacts can also influence your writing especially with a webcomic and so um just having that solitary experience of writing out the whole story sending it off to the editor getting a bunch of notes back and being like huh and being there's always a stage where like you're kind of frustrated with the notes and you're like you don't know what you're talking about Oh Oh, um and then you just sit on it for three days and then you're like oh god they're right (laughs) (laughs) um that was that was a good adjustment now i'm like i i don't think i could make another thing without someone looking at it because it's they it Especially it's like if you really value like their input and their way of thinking and their, their feedback style. It's invaluable just to have that second pair of eyes be like, you take it this place, but we could go in a completely different direction and it would make more sense. And you're like, oh, I didn't even see that because I was just so in my own head. Um, but every stage of the process was a learning experience as far as just sheer volume of how much you have to get
0: done. And (laughs) I feel like a lot of, a lot of readers, myself included, before I started digging in and talking to more creators have a very limited to poor sense of how long it takes for things to get made. Yeah. (laughs) Artie,
1: (laughs) Artie was supposed to get done in two years and it got done in, I think, I think I went nine months late. So two years and nine months. I, Yeah. yeah. Did you script
0: it, out the whole thing before you started drawing or was yeah, it iterative? I, uh, yeah. I,
1: I cannot script and like thumbnail at the same time. Okay. It's very, that's very intimidating for me. Um, so I write like just, uh, basically just a screenplay for the whole book. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, back and forth editing, editing with my editor. Um, but that didn't, that didn't take, that was the shortest part of the process. Writing took mm. about two or three months. back and forth and then um, after that I didn't have a thumbnails phase I kind of did thumbnails for my um, own um, just to help myself but I didn't show them to anyone because they're illegible (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it went from script to turn in pencils and um, learned very quickly that I'm way too precious with pencils and I was Mm. for me when I'm penciling I always um, I always have to have uh shading. So I have I work in kind of like a grayscale where I'll have the sketch and then I'll have uh, a layer over it like multiplied grayscale and then I kind of carve out the lighting for things. Um mm. that's just how my brain works and I it kinda helps me color later on just sure. because um my webcomic alone was black and white with spot color. Um and I don't think in color <laughs> and so mm. transitioning from black and white with spot color to full color was stressful for me because I've mm. never I've never really considered it in full color so um I had to rely a lot on um lighting and um value and stuff just to springboard off of that and then, you think you'd
0: want to color your own work again no. Having done it for a while.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, There's so many talented colorists out there. I'd rather give them my money because sure. yeah. that <laughs> that was fun while it lasted. And then near the, <laughs> near the end, I was like, oh, I wish I had someone helping me right now. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I pencil digitally uh, and then I print it out onto Bristol in like light blue so that I can ink traditionally. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a slog because I, I printed way too big for this book. Every page is 11 by 17. Okay. Um, And most people after I only learned this very recently that like most people are inking at like nine by 12 if they're mm. doing traditional. <laughs> so mm. I was just like, am I just slow? But no, I just have. Way too big of paper.
0: Um, so, is, so the impact there for for a non artist like myself, the impact there is then you spend longer on that because you're yes, filling out more space. Essentially. Because
1: yeah. I'm basically inking at four times the size. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everything just takes longer to do. Um, I see. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Um, all right. Cool. So that that's that's really fascinating. In previous interviews, I've seen you two discuss some of your, you know, you mentioned you're working on this in art school as you're kind of finishing up and and rounding out what you want to do next. Um, And I saw, you know, some interesting references to like Aaron Douglas's Into Bondage, uh, influencing some of the design for cultural history in this book. What other influences kind of shaped the work? Are there things that that really stand out that you'd recommend other people check out?
1: Um, Well, Jacob Lawrence is another um, important painter for this book, but also just you should just look at his work. Um, mm. <laughs> I, uh, My house, or my parents' house, uh, growing up, we had two big Jacob Lawrence prints on the wall. Mm. Um, and that definitely just, is just seared into my brain. He's just, just brilliant with shapes and color. And he definitely helped um, kind of influence the way um, I was working with figures in the book for the, I call it werewolf folk art. Um, so, uh, Jake Lawrence was a big one. Also Harriet Powers, especially with regards to kind of the world building, the, I'll say it's like quiet world building with quilts in the book. Yeah. Um, and Harriet Powers was a quilt and folk artist who was born into slavery in Georgia and mm. she made these story quilts. Um, and these story quilts would like to like celestial events that she, she had witnessed. Uh, They would depict Bible stories and it was a way of kind of preserving these stories through quilt form and I like fell in love with that idea and so I um, kind of envisioned that this tradition um, had been carried through to this community and they Mm -hmm. used it as a way to kind of um, depict their own history, depict their own lineages and you know with the werewolves in the book this isn't um shown like i don't think it's shown too um blatantly but when you shift into a werewolf and you shift back you need something to cover yourself up Hmm. so that Mm -hmm. was another idea with the blankets um but yeah i wanted
0: practical and historical yes (laughs) function and yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh, okay, very cool. Is there, so Artie in the Wolf Moon's out. People can check it out. Uh, again, we'll include links in the show notes. Do you think there will be more in the Artie in the Wolf Moon universe?
1: There are no plans for that right now, um, but I, I have ideas. But okay. At, at the moment, yeah. I've been very busy with. Several other things.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. So TBD on that one. Uh, so I, I mentioned up front, There's a, a short story, "Darlin," that you wrote, in illustrated. People can check that out uh, through yes. your website and on Gumroad. It's uh, it's really good. I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. Was it was it fun for you to step out of the YA mode and do adult oh, for werewolf sure. stuff? For like was sure. that a, was that just flexing <laughs> those muscles kind of thing? Um.
1: Yeah. I. So alone is like a very quiet sad romance already is like a a supernatural adventure um i i don't like being contained at all i, I want to yeah. try everything so i was like man what if i could make a western that i enjoyed because yeah. like the idea of, of of the western for me it's like there's so many problematic elements to it and who uh, oh, sure. gets to yeah. define the story of the west and this unblemished land that we just happened to find. Um, (laughs) I I hate that. So uh, it was just fun for me to kind of conceive of, um, I just, for a lot of this, I kind of just try and crash two random things together. And so werewolves for me are just endlessly fascinating in in what directions you could possibly take them. Um, So I was just thinking about like, um, different time periods that they might exist like even in Artie you know the the first werewolf of the clan was like um I just uh escaped slave so I was kind of it still in that headspace I was like man what would the what would like the west be yeah. <laughs> with werewolves yeah. and like outlaws and all that stuff um and yeah I just wanted to have fun um especially when you've been working on like very long projects, like 250 yeah. pages. Um, I want us to just pop off like a 15 page thing and see where it might land. Um, and the, the response has been really awesome. Um, yeah. And I've actually I've been working on kind of an expansion to these characters and their story. Oh, cool. Um, so that's one of the things I'm working on while I'm not working on everything else (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that's exciting cool yeah no it's it's really enjoyable so i I look forward to more from that so the other thing i've seen announced that you have coming is uh the tiger's tongue coming from mad cave Studios next year uh what can you tell us about that that is kind of what to expect
1: yeah so the tiger's tongue is a five issue limited series um it is a, a royal high fantasy series um and it's about Family and Legacy, um, Revolution, and also uh, Psychic Tigers. <laughs> okay, <yep. laughs> um, so it's got a bit of everything. It got my attention, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, um, again, it's just something I wanted to try, see if I I was any good at it. Um, and it's definitely my, my own personal take on, um, you know, royal fantasy and monarchy and how um you know (laughs) the the problems inherent in those structures and how they might fall apart um so yeah that's been so exciting as for me just because i'm only writing i'm not doing any of the art um and like having an artist um realize my ideas has just made me appreciate even more the the job my other job which is just a uh, graphic novelist and uh artist because yeah the, i i have like when i'm writing i can always kind of envision what things might look like um but when you give it away to someone else a different artist and they envision something that's so different but so much better <laughs> than what you had in mind. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. So I, I've, I'm I've so grateful um, that we were able to find uh, our artist, uh, John Saku Bonten Petty. She is a newcomer from uh, VCU, just gorgeous. I, I cannot gush enough about her work um, and I'm awesome. so excited yeah. for people to see it. And we have um, Bex Glendening on inks and colors uh Odara Igbokwe on uh our series covers and Jimette Gill lettering and Michael Mochio editing and I just couldn't ask for like a better team for my first writing venture. Um yeah.
0: Good. <laughs> Good. Cool. Sounds like that's going well. What what else do you have on the radar that you can that you can talk about if yes. there's anything else?
1: Um well I am illustrating the um graphic novel adaptation of Tristan Strong Punches a hole in the sky which oh. is a uh, popular fantasy series by Kwame Mabalia. And that's also pretty up my wheelhouse. It's about a boy, Tristan Strong, who is sent to his grandparents' farm in the South, um, accidentally gets into some magical hijinks and falls into the world of um, African-American folk legends. So he befriends, like, John Henry and um, has to kind of deal with uh, his own fault in how um, these two worlds are accidentally colliding because yeah. he did in fact punch a hole in the sky accidentally <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah that's been that's been very it, like for me I really uh, admire the the story of the series and how uh, Kwame can weave in these uh, legends into fantasy um, in really exciting ways so that's been cool.
0: Awesome. That sounds, yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. Uh, when uh, when can people expect to see that?
1: Yes, yeah. that will, so Tiger's Town will be out August of next year, and Tristan will be out September of next year, so.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah. Keep you busy then. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Definitely! <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, what uh, what else, uh, anything else you want to make sure people know about, or I guess where can people find you and, and enjoy the work?
1: yeah so um i'm on twitter a lot unfortunately Mm -hmm. (laughs) and people can follow me there at olive oil corpse so o-l-i-v-e-o-i-l-c-o-r-p that is my handle Mm -hmm. for twitter it's my handle for instagram as well though i'm not on there as much um you can purchase artie and the wolf boon by following the link artiecomic.com that's a-r-t i e c o m i c dot com um and that will also take you to like my portfolio site and there's like a cute little playlist for arty if you want to listen to music because that's a yeah. thing for me yeah um yeah those are the places people can find me
0: <laughs> cool cool i do love i do love the playlist inclusion because you do that with a lone comic too where you're like hey this is yeah, the song soundtrack. I'd, it's I'd,
1: such a big thing for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, is that like is that often like, hey, this is what I was listening to while I did it, or is it you looking at the story and then going back and finding hey, it's this song bo- sums it's it up? It's
1: both because um, okay. every project for me starts with like music. Like I have the idea, and then I kind of I need to figure out the tone of the idea, and so I'll I'll uh, go on kind of this musical journey on Spotify, trying to figure out what the yeah. story sounds like. Um, And then, yeah, Artie's playlist is just a mix of stuff that reminds me of her, but also like story beats in the story. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. <laughs> no, it's definitely I, I I love that component to it, and, and the way that it comes through in alone in terms of you your visuals for music and the way it's like I love that design where oh, it's just like thank taking you. over the page and oh it's so cool oh uh, yeah
1: <laughs> i feel so embarrassed because at this point i'm like oh the art is old don't look at
0: it <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sh- hey it was new to me that's the thing it's, like, it's fresh <laughs> to everybody who comes in now so <laughs> no it's it's cool it looks good um awesome olivia this has been an absolute blast a pleasure uh, again we'll include links here in the show notes for. The work and where people can find you but otherwise um i think that's going to do it so thanks for taking the time
1: yes thank you so much for having me today
0: <laughs> absolutely